That's the last time you get to see that video, folks. Today finishes our comeback series here on Father's Day at East Bay Calvary. And a big welcome to you, and happy Father's Day to dads. Thank you to those who put together the donuts with dads this morning. That should be an every week thing. Amen, folks? I, I, yeah, exactly. We'll hold a business meeting after church, and we'll vote on it. So that sounds all right. At a Christian camp in my teen years, I had a couple friends come to me and they said that they wanted to pull a, a joke and prank this other friend of ours. And I'll never forget what happened. They, they said, here's what we're going to do. It was skit night. It was Friday night at camp. And the, and the place was packed. And every Friday night, basically, teens would get together and they would figure out what they wanted to act out, what they wanted to do. It was supposed to be a lot of fun. So they said, here's how we're going to play this prank on him. They said, Brian, you're going to go out. There's a glass of water that'll be out there. <clears throat> and he says, you're going you're gonna to drink a little bit, but gargle it and gargle it loud. And they said, and we'll hear you, and that'll be our cue. And then the next guy comes out, and what he's going to do <clears throat> is um, dip his toothbrush in there, and then he's going to brush his teeth. And he said, and then I'll spit that. He goes, I'll spit that into the glass. And then he said, then the third guy is going to come and he's going to dip his fingers in there. He's going to wash his hands and do all this. And then he'll spit in the glass. And he said, and the fourth guy, he doesn't know what's going on. He said, we are going to nail him. And he'll come out, not knowing, because they're going to keep him busy in the back. He's going to come out and he's going to take the glass. And, and what he's supposed to say is, boy, I'm thirsty, and then he's going to drink it, and he won't know that we did all that to the glass. So I'm like, being the good Christian man that I was, I said, I am in. <laughs> we have got to do this. This is going to be so good to just like nail this guy. You know, this is going to be so much fun. <clears throat> so they said, okay, here we go. And we're in the back. Two guys and I, the, the guy we're playing the prank on, he is, he's in the back, and I see that they're keeping him busy. So they say, okay, Brian, you first. And so uh, <clears throat> I get up my nerve. I'm like, this is going to be so cool. And I walk out there in front of everyone, <clears throat> and there's the glass of water, and I grab it, put some in my mouth, and I go, <clears throat> you know, nice and loud. And, uh, and I set the glass down. I move over, and I'm waiting for the next guy. He's not coming out. I'm like, they must not hear me. So I grab the glass, put a little more in. Even louder, make sure they hear me. And I waited. No one. Finally, I turn, I look backstage, and there's the three guys <laughs> laughing at me and clapping and slapping their knee, and they totally betrayed me. They completely betrayed me. And I was, now, mind you, don't even pay attention that I was willing to betray this other friend <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. But these guys totally nailed me with this and betrayed me. Probably that's the easiest betrayal I've ever gone through in my life. Some of us know what it feels like to be betrayed 
And if you would, um, grab that study guide on the back of your East Bay Weekly. Let's talk a little bit about betrayal and what happens in betrayal of Jesus Christ and how he responds through our time of betrayal. The word betrayal means to lead astray, to deliver to an enemy by treachery, or to fail or desert, especially in a time of need. The general idea is, you know, they should have been there. They should have been there and they weren't. They should have been loyal and they weren't. And, and when we look at betrayal in that light, you know, they should have been loyal. They should have been there. They should have stood up. If we look at it in that light, <clears throat> then the one most betrayed in all of history has not been a country. It has not been a president. It has not been a business person. The one who has been most betrayed throughout all of history has been Jesus Christ. How many followers have turned their loyalty from him to another person? How many followers became mute when they should have opened their mouths? How many followers were fearful of man and went along with others rather than standing for God? And how many times, folks, have I and you, have we all been in that boat when we have turned our back on God or we haven't opened our mouth for him and we betrayed? And today we're going to look at probably one of the most recognized accounts of betrayal in, in the Gospels, and it's the betrayal of Christ in the Bible. And so how about together, we just turn to Luke chapter 22 if you need to um, look in your iPad or iPod or whatever electronic device, your phone that you have right there, or in your copy of the scriptures, if you find some red letters, it's the New Testament, and it's Matthew, Mark, and then Luke is the third gospel of the New Testament in chapter 22. And we're going to look at the account of the betrayal of Jesus Christ by maybe a name familiar to some here is by the person of Peter, Peter's betrayal of Christ. Let me just give a little snapshot of what was going on here. There was this last supper that Jesus had, and so Jesus pulled his disciples together, and he, he gave them a little glimpse of what was going to happen. He said, here is my body, which is broken for you. And he referred to the bread, and, and he's, he's given them an idea of what's going to happen. He's going to die for them. And, and the cup, this represents my blood. And, and, and they should have been getting some idea that he was going to give his life for them. And then he tells them at the end of the conversation, he says, you know, and there's one of you here who is going to betray me. And he was referring to Judas, who was going to turn him over. And the disciples went into a conversation from that point, and it didn't go well because they were arguing about which one of them not only would betray, but then they started talking about, and which one of us is the greatest? You know, I think I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. And so you know, this was not going in a good direction. And then Peter gives a statement that Jesus, it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter when it is, it doesn't matter how it is, I will never, ever desert you. And then Jesus gave a warning to Peter. He says, I think there's going to be a problem here. Because our adversary 
wants to sift you like wheat, and he says, and you will betray me three times before the rooster crows. So let's walk into this denial. Let's see how this thing worked out. And you know, I find personally there are reasons when I have come up short, when I have been quiet, when I haven't stood up, when I've been mute, there are reasons for that. There's reasons why we all end up doing that, and there's same reasons why Peter did this here in this account in Luke 22. And so here, would you look at verses 23 through 24, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 31 through 34, and you know what, just to kind of get your blood moving a little bit, would you stand with me? And here's a little indication of what happened for Peter, and we'll walk into three reasons for betrayal. So Luke 22, look at verse 23 through 24. So after Jesus had said someone's going to betray him, they, the disciples, began to question among themselves which one of them it might be who would do this. And then a dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was considered to be the greatest. Now jump over to verse 31. And here after Peter says, I'm never going to betray you, Jesus says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, which is just another name for Peter. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, and so Jesus is saying you're going to betray. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he, Peter, Simon Peter replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Have a seat. Let's work through this together. There's three common reasons, folks, why we find ourselves in the situation of betrayal. And I'd love to point the, the finger at Peter, and I'd love to say, wow, isn't he a problem person? Didn't he just blow it? And you know what? I find myself being in the same exact boat with him. And so notice number one reason why we betray ourselves or why we betray Jesus Christ. Number one. We believe in ourselves. We believe in ourselves. It's going to sound a little bit different from today's word that you hear often in society because what we hear is, hey, you need to believe in yourself or you need to trust yourself or you need to trust your heart. And it's kind of like the old, from my childhood days, the little engine that could. You know, if you just think in your head, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can then you can, because you can do it. And I know that it sounds good, but it really blew it for Peter. He had this kind of overconfidence in himself. And, and notice the progression, because here in verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, someone's going to betray me, and they're like, who is it? And then they're moving into, you know, I think I'm the greatest. And so here it's going in the wrong direction. But then even Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, you are going to deny me three times. There's going to be a problem here. You're going to do it. And you know, if 
if the king of the universe, if Jesus Christ says, this is what you're going to do, most likely you come to the point and you say, you know what, um, you're right. I could be weak. I could blow this Jesus and we become humble. Rather than telling Jesus, wrong oh Jesus, you've blown this one. You've got it all wrong. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to go to death with you. And then Jesus says, well, there's going to be a time you are going to deny me three times. Do you know the end of these statements? Finish it with me, would you? The bigger they are, yeah. Pride goes before, yeah, exactly. There's a verse in... um, Galatians chapter 6, and it talks about the spiritual person, the strong one. And it says, you know, you who are strong need to deal and help people who are weak spiritually. Go to them, try to give them strength, work them through it, and you think, wow, they're strong. But then there's a unique phrase at the end of that verse, and it says, but consider yourself or watch out for yourself. Because you also can be tempted. And this overconfidence, this I can do it, you know, this I'm bulletproof, I might be the best Christian since Billy Graham. And I don't know if you know much about Billy Graham. He never trusted himself. He always traveled with other people. In fact, when he got to a hotel room, he would tell the guys that were traveling with him, would you please go in there in front of me? And they would go into that hotel room and make sure that the coast was clear. And it wasn't just for security reasons. It was because others would love to trip him up. Others would love to make a spectacle of him. Others would love a little photo shoot in a compromising situation. He had other people go in front of him. He never trusted himself. He never went alone. But this whole idea, I think I've got it, I can do this, don't worry about me, worry about everyone else, is so far beyond what Jesus really wants for us to think. Thinking that we're bulletproof robs us of the need to be guarded. Thinking that we can get through all on our own robs us of this opportunity that God wants to be there to help us, and he wants each other to be there to help us through it, and so One of the reasons why Peter just fell on his face is because he believed in himself. He was overconfident. He thought he could do it on his own. Here's number two. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. This is an interesting one because in Luke chapter 22, if you read down just a little bit farther, verse 49... Here, Judas betrays Jesus, and in verse 49, um, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with our swords? And one of them, Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now, I don't know if you know this. He wasn't saying, I'm going to aim for the ear. That's how you defeat your enemy, take the ear off. Peter was aiming for the guy's head. And then he takes off the ear as the guy moves. Jesus is no more of this. And he touched the man's ear, healed him. 
Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion? You come with swords and clubs. Every day I was with you in the temple courts. You didn't lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Here's an interesting thing, and I just want to pose it to us to think about. Because we deal with this. Peter draws his sword. Peter's going for the head. They want to step it up. And then we ask ourselves, so why did Peter go for the sword? Why was this so passionate for him? And I'm going to tell you, Peter and the other disciples were expecting Jesus to set up a literal kingdom at that moment. Basically, they were thinking Jesus would help them take over from Rome's oppression, and it would be King Jesus, and then it would be Vice King Peter. So they had this expectation, we're taking over. This is how it's going to work. And I see this all too often. What he thought would happen, this great expectation of the kingdom, and all the position, it wasn't happening. And Peter followed at a distance, and his distance turned to denial. And I see it happen. I've done this in my own life. Our following Christ is attached to our expectations of great things here on earth. My marriage will turn out great if I follow Christ. If I follow Christ, my finances will turn out great. My kids will be shining examples. My health will be restored if I follow Christ. And then when things don't happen the way we expect, you know, when the finances don't pour in, or my kids aren't the shining example, or I don't get the things that I wanted, my health doesn't return, and then we say, you know what, this whole following Jesus thing, it just doesn't work. None of it works. And it was the same thing with Peter. He had expectations. This is what was going to happen, and they weren't met. And there's another reason why he denied. And here's a third and probably the most common reason why we end up and why Peter denied Jesus in verse 54 on down, and, and here it all started. They took Jesus. He went into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with him. Verse 56. So a little serving girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, this man was with Jesus. But he denied it. Woman, I, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. And man, I'm not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another one asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. For he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And interesting, in John's account, it also says Peter cursed. Just, let's just add a little bit more to this. I'm going to curse. And that way, they know that I'm not identifying with Jesus Christ. And the moment this happened, the Bible says, the rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. And here's reason number three, folks. It's why too often we clam up, we shut up. We don't show up, and reason number three is because of fear. Because of fear. I remember a time, and I mentioned it here, um, 
when I candidated. I had taken one of my girls to a tractor auction back in New York State. This is when they were little. And um, there's not a whole lot you can do in upstate New York, so we went to tractor auctions, and, and we would treat ourselves to hot dogs. And, and I remember there's one time we went over to the, the little trailer thing, and we got our hot dogs, and we got our drink, and we sat down, and we we're sitting there, and, and we're starting to eat, and this one man walked up, and he sat down across from us, and this guy was so weathered. You could see he was weathered. The weight of the world was on him. There were obviously problems he had been going through, and the man just sat there, and he slunched. It was written all over for him. He, he had so many challenges in his life. He was burdened, probably financial challenges. And I remember um, my girl that I'm sitting with, she leans over to me and she says, Dad, Dad, look at that guy. And I had seen him. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, no joke, she goes, he needs Jesus. I leaned to her and I said, shh. I know. She goes, let's go tell him. And here's Pastor Dad. just don't do things like that, honey. You just don't go up to someone. And you just don't say that. We finished our hot dog and we got up and we walked away. All I can say now is stupid Stupid, stupid. Not only did I screw up completely, here I modeled for my family a desertion in time of need. I should have been there and I wasn't, and I should have done something and I didn't, and I, I wish I could say that was the last time that I've ever screwed up that way. But I think, folks, you know, if we can just be honest here, my guess is we all can identify with that fear. You know, fear grips us at work, at school, with friends, at the party, fear of rejection, fearful of losing acceptance, fearful of not being cool, fearful of not doing things perfectly, and teenagers and young adults, you know, you wonder what your friends will think. They're going to think I'm weird. I may lose my popularity. I may lose my boyfriend or my girlfriend. An adult, it's when we don't want to look stupid in public. You know, everyone at work respects me. And if I open up with this Jesus stuff or if I show that I'm different that way or I connect with people on this, 
You know what they're going to think about me? And we become more concerned about ourselves, how people view us, than we are concerned about how I can display the love of Jesus that he's given me to give to other people. And face it, when it comes to failure or desertion in time of need, often that, that comes for us when we are fearful of those around us. And for Peter, his belief in himself, his unmet expectations of following Jesus, his fear of man led to his denial of following Jesus Christ. And those three things have led to this denial for the last 2,000 years with all of us, and myself included. And here's the good thing, folks. It doesn't have to end there. Thankfully, this isn't the end of the story, and we say, let's close in prayer and go home. There's a comeback. There's a comeback from denial. There's a comeback from desertion. There's a comeback from this failure to follow after Jesus the way that we should. And, and this is just blown up here in the text in a beautiful way. And in fact, go ahead, and we're going to look at three steps in this path Back from betrayal, here's what Peter experienced, and folks, here's what all of us can experience as we come back with the grace of God to be able to be followers that he wants us to be. And I want to give you number one, it's in verse 62, and it's right after this denial, and he realizes this is, this is exactly what Jesus was talking about. This is exactly what he talked about, and the Bible says right there in verse 62, And he went outside and he just completely lost it and he broke down and he wept because his heart was just smashed with the reality that here Jesus is inside. He's getting the daylights whipped out of him. He's getting beaten and they are going to torture him and here I am out here and I can't even say a word. And he went outside and he just totally lost it. And I really believe that the very first step back from betrayal is brokenness. We need to be busted up about this to realize Jesus went the distance for us. He loved us so much. And he gave everything. He didn't hold anything back. And he did all of that for us. And then here we realize I couldn't even say yes. I'm I'm one of his. I follow him. And we're broken about it. And this is where all comeback starts. It's called repentance. The word means to turn around or a U-turn of sorts. And it's when we are struck with our failures in light of God's love. When we realize Jesus was beaten for us until he was unrecognizable. He died for my sin. And we're embarrassed. Too loyal to our self-image. Realizing That to the point of brokenness, I need to be broken. And that's step number one. Here's step number two. I love this. I need you to jump over one more book of the Bible to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. This is a parallel account, chapter 21. John chapter 21, 15 to 17. And this is just a beautiful account. After Peter was broken, Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. And then 
he has this re-encounter with Peter after he's risen from the dead. And I just love this. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, I think our translations read mostly the same. What's the question he asked? Would you say it with me? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, Lord. He says, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, would you say the next phrase with me? Do you, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, same question again, say it with me. Do you, and Peter was just hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So we go from broken to step number two in our comeback from betrayal is to love God. To love God. Do you love me? Quite possibly there were three Questions of do you love me for each denial that Peter did and each response by Peter is similar. You know I love you. You know I love you. And although there's some variety in the original language, the point is still the same. God wants to get our love. And I know if this were me, if this were a friend that completely denied me and I got the hurt for it, I'd probably say, hey, don't you ever do that again. You totally threw me under the bus. Don't you ever. Do you understand? Do you realize what I do for you? And here's Jesus. Instead of the lecture, he says, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? It's the same thing he wants from us. We can't get around the reality that Christ's lesson for Peter, the antidote for our denial, is love. It is the first and greatest commandment of all the hundreds of commands that the Old Testament people wanted to do. When Jesus was asked, which is the greatest, he said it. It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength it's always been the greatest commandment it always will be the greatest commandment it is where devotion starts from and he says i i want you to love me it is the mile marker back on the path from betrayal it's where it all begins you stay loyal to the one you love you sacrifice for the one you love and he says do you love me do you love me and that's number two and here's number three and i love how jesus ends this dialogue with Peter, he, he says, not only do we see brokenness in Peter, and Peter, you need to love me. Then number three, you need to refocus. With every time, with each time he says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I do. And then Jesus says, so feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Basically, Jesus says, get back to work. 
Some people like to stop at this point and they're like, you know what? I just don't know. I've screwed up so many times. What should I do? Well, Jesus answers it. He says, let's get going. Come on. Get back to work. Feed my sheep. He's like, don't start a betrayal anonymous group. Get back on the scene making disciples. Get back in the saddle. Display your love for Jesus and your love for the gospel of Christ. Just get right back into it and show the world you do love me, that my word does make a difference. And then I end up wondering, so how did it work out for Peter? Did he really make a comeback? Did he really love Jesus? Did he really refocus and help make disciples? And I just love this. In Acts chapter 4, there's a section of scripture Listen to these words. It's so cool what what Peter ends up saying. He's preaching to the very people who killed Jesus. This might be the time to be nuanced a little bit. You know, maybe just mildly tell, well, you know, I think you guys kind of screwed up a little bit. You know, don't do anything to me. But maybe you missed the boat with the Jesus thing. He was not nuanced at all. Listen to this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the people who killed Jesus. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Then he goes on, in case they didn't get the point yet. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And then to top it all off, because they've had their own religion, Peter said so, and let me just finish this with, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. I think the comeback was complete, don't you? I think he came full circle. It's awesome. But let's talk about this and finish up. What do we learn today? We got three things to learn today. Here's number one. It's good news God forgives and restores. Isn't that good news? That's great news. God forgives and restores. He wants the comeback. And we've all been there. That's why he sent Jesus in the first place. On the cross, he endured the penalty for our sin that we deserve so we can be restored. And of all of it, we don't see Jesus saying to Peter, get out of here. You disgust me what you did to me. He just says, Peter, I just want you to love me. I want you to feed my sheep, make disciples. God is always willing, friend, to restore He is always willing to forgive. And he wants us to understand no one loves you more than him. 
You're never too far and it's never too late. And the scriptures say he's faithful, he's just, he will forgive you your sin. No one loves you more than God. No one's more forgiving than God. No one is more faithful than God. Even when we are unfaithful, he loves us. He wants to forgive. He wants to restore. He wants to come back. And then here's number two. Jesus wants us to love him. I don't know that I can say this enough. The heartbeat of a true disciple isn't duty. The heartbeat of a disciple is love for Jesus Christ. There's nothing better that we can do than to love God. That's step number one. Everything flows from there. Obedience comes from love for God. Loyalty comes from love for God. Love for others comes from love for God. And if we're away from him, that's the point of reentry is love for Jesus Christ. There's one more thing that we need to learn today. But I want to stop. I want us to thank God for his love, his forgiveness, his restoration, his faithfulness in spite of our unfaithfulness. Let's express our love for him. In fact, would you stand with me? And right there in your seat, would you acknowledge God loves you in your heart? Even when we are unfaithful, he's faithful. He forgives, he restores, he loves. And in our heart, can we take a second and thank him for his faithfulness, for his love, his desire, that we love him with all that we are. And Father, as a group of friends here today, we come assembled for one person and one reason, and it's Jesus Christ. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for his sacrifice and his faithfulness to us. And God, I pray that you would continue in this place to build a community of people that just love you. We so much love you. And we want to take seriously that, that command, feed, feed my sheep, make more disciples, go after our community that doesn't know you. But God, in spite of our unfaithfulness, in spite of our denial, our fear, our self-confidence, and our lack of love for you, God, you've been so good to us. And we just have to celebrate and say, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. God, we love you. Amen. Huh, people? Yeah? God's faithful faithful. He loves us. He's the God that restores. He's the God that forgives. He's the God that wants our love, deserves our love. And then there's a third one. 
Jesus wants us to refocus on our mission. Basically, Jesus told Peter, go and make disciples. In fact, I actually think Jesus said, make more and better disciples. It's not like red light, green light, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, well, you blew it, go back to the beginning. It's not like, well, you failed 12th grade, go back to kindergarten. It's like, pick up where you left off. Go forward. Feed my sheep. Make disciples. Let's do this thing. And he wants us to be on mission. He wanted Peter to be on mission. He wants us to do the same even this week. And so I want us to think about two things. Let's be on mission this week. You know, I denied him last week. Last week is done. He forgives. He restores. He wants you to love him. Let's be on mission this week. Let's connect with people this week. Let's open up about Jesus this week. Talk in your small group about being on mission. Pray for God to use you this week to make more and better Jesus followers. Let's be on mission. And then I want to tell you, I want you to prepare yourself. I'm taking a two-week vision leak opportunity for us July 7th and 14th, I'm going to have two weeks of visioning with our church family in this service time, and I want you to already be thinking about it and praying about it. We've got to stay on mission. And I need time to leak things out to keep us moving forward. We have to do the things that God cares about the most. So get ready for those Sundays. Be prepped for them, because we're going to have some good conversation together. Praise him for his faithfulness. Let's be on mission. Let me pray with you folks. Happy Father's Day to dads. Everyone, the edict for today, stay out of dad's reclining chair, okay? That's the edict for today. God, your blessing on these folks. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for your faithfulness when we're unfaithful. God, just help us to love you and to get back up on that horse and ride, ride your mission. Make a difference. Say the words we didn't say. Be the example we weren't last week. Help us to show our love and gratitude to you for all that you've done. It's because of Jesus. Amen. Have a great one, gang. God bless.